0: As we've been thinking through this, this idea of the kingdom, we've been going through four areas, uh, God's people, uh, God's uh, rule and blessing, God's place, and God's king. And of course, we know who God's king is, it is the Lord himself, and uh, primarily that we have seen in the, Lord, in the Lord Jesus. And as we've been kind of working through, we have kind of, uh, with, kind of started with, with Jesus in, in terms of the kingdom has, has come uh, in Christ, and we see this turning happening. Where the, the kingdom of God has come, God's place has come in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So now where we are is we're in a new age. We are in the the last days. We are in the already and the not yet. We are in, in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, it says, In the last days there will come. And the last days is really the coming of Christ until his return. In James 5, 3, it says the same thing. There is the we are in the, the last days. We're in this kind of this this middle ground where we have experienced the uh, heaven coming down in Christ. We've experienced his glory. Uh, we've experienced salvation. Jesus Christ has, has come. He's lived. He's died. He's He's been raised from the dead. He's ascended to the right hand of God, seated at on his, his throne, and one day he will come again. So right now we are waiting for him to come. So we already have salvation. Uh, we already have been born again. We already have been declared holy and righteous and forgiven of our sins, and yet we are still in this world. We have not fully experienced the freedom from, from sin. As we think about 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, we get to this day, and we, we in, in the early church, after Jesus Christ had, had risen, we know that many of the apostles were, were, were wondering, when will Christ come? And they thought it was going to come for a, a short period of time. Throughout the the, the New Testament, you see them kind of addressing the, the, the needs of the people and their concerns. We even see this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. People started dying. And they say, you know, do not be, um, uh, what's the word? I'm, 1 Thessalonians four thirteen. 13. Um, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who have fallen asleep. And to grieve as others do who have no hope. He's trying to comfort them because they thought Christ was going to come back uh, before anyone else died. There's a, there was, they were concerned uh, there. Uh, and they, they think that in the, in the last days, there's going to become scoffers. Look what this says in Second Peter chapter 3. Again, it says, this is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. That This is just a, a calling to many of you. I was thinking about that this week, is that how many times have you heard the same message again and again? How many times have you heard about the gospel and the goodness of Christ from this pulpit and this place again and again? And really, one of the ministries of the church is to stir each other's up is by way of reminder, uh, because we are a forgetful uh, people. Even the best of us are apt to... Forget, so Peter, being the good apostle that he is he 's trying to stir up people by way of, of reminder, and he says in verse two that you should remember that the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and the and Savior through your apostles, knowing that first of all that scoffers will come in the last day, scoffing, following their sinful desires. Uh, people will say the end's not coming, Christ is not going to return, so they 're going to going to continue to live in their own desires, doing their own Things and and beloved, if we are going to be honest, there are many people who are scoffing at the church today, scoffing at the church in the world, and and people even now moving and drifting farther and farther from uh, the church. You know, it's interesting what COVID has done all across the world, it has strengthened some bodies, strengthened some people's faith to have them more connected to the church, having them realize I want more from my life and actually find Christ and find the local church. While many people who have been in the church, have drifted from it. They've drifted from the body of believers, putting their own desires first. But in the last days, we will see in verse 4, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. People are saying that Jesus Christ is not going to return, so let's just do what we want. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. That's going to, to happen. People are going to scoff at the church. But beloved, the reason why Christ has not returned yet is because he has a job for you and I to do. Uh, we have a mission, and we, our mission is to proclaim the gospel. Look at, jump down to verse 8. It says, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. The Lord is doing what the Lord will do when the Lord wants to do it. He is not slow in keeping his promise. He always arrives right on time. It says he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. What he's saying there is that every day that the Lord tarries, every day that the Lord waits to, to come on this earth is another day of patience towards this earth world where people have the opportunity to come to Christ you know one of the reasons why every single Wednesday we we talk about opportunities we've had to share the gospel is because we want people to come to Christ we want no one to perish we want no one to fall away from the grace of Christ but we want them to experience salvation our church exists so that others may know Christ this is one of the things I'm hopeful, hope that you've seen over the last several months. We've talked more and more about the gospel going from this place to the ends of the earth. We want to be a church that raises up people who love Jesus and who are sent out into our community and to the, to the far reaches of the world with the gospel of Christ. We, we want to send people to Switzerland. We want to send people to, uh, to Texas. We want to send people down the street. We want to send people uh, to, to Bangkok and to, and to Paraguay. We want that because we want the gospel of Christ to, 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 be, to, to go over the ends of the earth. Why? Because we love Jesus. We love our Lord. And we want more people to love him. So as we are in the age of the spirit, this is a tremendous task. You know, I, I think about this often, and as, as, as you know, every week we get in, in the pulpit and we preach God's word, myself, or uh, another godly man walks in this pulpit and lifts and heralds the word of God, and we say, who is sufficient for such things? Well, no one is sufficient for such things, but Christ leads us in a triumphal procession. And how does he lead us now? He leads us by his, his spirit. So we've been seeing this in, in the book of Acts. When right before Jesus ascended, he said, Wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. I will send my Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem. That's where we are in the book of Acts right now. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, to all of Israel, and where? To the ends of the earth. Because the gospel is not meant only for the Jews, it is meant for all people on the planet. So as we walk through and we think about this, we think about what the Holy Spirit's word is and what the Holy Spirit is supposed to do in our own lives. Well, there's things right now as we think about the church that, that we see happening. One, we see that the Holy Spirit is regenerating lives. And we're seeing people who were once dead in their trespasses and sins and God is making them alive in Christ. They, they hear the word of God preached. They, they understand that they are sinners. They feel the, the weight of condemnation against themselves and then they run to Christ, Right? And they are healed, they are forgiven, they are born again. Uh, beloved, I don't know about you, but my favorite time in, in our church body is seeing people come to faith and hearing their testimonies on Sunday morning, right? When they said, oh, yes, this is what my life was before I met Christ. This is how I met Jesus. This is how I know that I am saved. And now I want to give my life to his glory. Uh, the Spirit of God is working in our lives and I think the one thing we have to continue to remind ourselves as we are in the, the age of the church is that the Holy Spirit is working. The Holy Spirit is working now. He is working to, to woo and to call people to himself, right? We do not have to be afraid. When we go to our jobs and when we go to our, 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 our dinner tables around Thanksgiving and Christmas, when we are around people who do not know Christ, who are hostile to the gospel, we are not afraid. Why? Because God saves the power of the Holy Spirit can, can penetrate a, a dead heart. Well, look at your heart. Look what God has done in your life. We, we know that God regenerates us. We see this in John chapter 3, Jesus talking to Nicodemus. He said, you must be born again. Even as we think about missions, I've been hearing this more and more in, in this, this conversation of missions, that the most important things that people need to know when they go to the mission field is the doctrine of salvation. How are people saved? that they need to be born again. You think that that is commonplace in the church, but it is not. We need to know, what does it mean to be saved? How does someone move from death to life? And what is a healthy local church? Those two things, I, I, I hear time and time again, if you're gonna to go to the mission field, is woefully lacking among those serving abroad. But not only do you see that, you see the Holy, Holy Spirit equipping the saints. So what do I, a quick run through on a few texts in, in, the, in the New Testament. Go to Ephesians Ephesians chapter 4. One of, the, whole, one of the, the roles of the Holy Spirit, if we are in the age of the Spirit now, where the Holy Spirit is working, uh, having, having been sent to us by the Lord Jesus, we saw that in Pentecost, and we see that throwing, flowing throughout the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is working in our bodies to do what? To, to equip us so that we can serve one another and serve those in our community. So look at Ephesians chapter 4. beginning in verse 7. It says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he had led a host of captains. He gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is, is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to do what? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning There's lots there, but just, just, just generally, we see that every single member of the body is being built up and given a gift by Christ to do what? To, to work together, to speak the truth in love, to build the whole thing up into Christ. We want to be aware of the, of the cunning of false teachers. We see that all throughout the New Testament, the false teachers and those who speak uh, ill of, of Christ. And we want to be aware of that, but we don't want to be tossed to and fro. We want to be on solid ground. So God gives teachers and leaders, and but God has given us a tremendous amount of teachers. You know, we have uh, elders who do the primarily teaching of the life of our church, but we have plenty of other teachers who are teaching our, our Sunday school classes and, our, and teaching our kids and our youth. It's a phenomenal thing when you think about all those in our congregation who are, who are teaching and instructing others. You know, the most precious thing that we have in this world are the hearts and minds of God's people. That's the most precious thing in God's mind here on earth is is, is the hearts and minds of his people. And, and he says, would you instruct them and you would teach them? And God, by his grace, has raised up many teachers in our church to instruct them. I think about even right now, our kids are being instructed by song. I think about this on Wednesday, and our kids are being instructed in, in, in doctrine. Sunday morning, being taught the word of, of God in their Sunday school classes. So you see how this is, is, is working, is that the Spirit of Christ is working in the church, in us, right, to build each other up. So just go back a few chapters, or a few books, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now this is the, the, the chapter on spiritual gifts. Uh, Pastor Victor has recently uh, has been asked to write a book on spiritual gifts. We pray it will be in print soon. Amen. Or amen. Um, we see this the same idea about being being built up. And this is the, this, this is important when we think about the nature of the church, is that you know, we, we were just talking recently, just 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 a few minutes before the service started, we we're talking about how many different gifts there are in the body of Christ. You know, and, and, and oftentimes the, the, the gifts that are, are highlighted the most are the gifts that are 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 upfront. Those who have been giving the gift may be of preaching and teaching. But there are many gifts in the body of Christ, and all of them are necessary, and all of them are needed. No one gift is better than the other. Because remember, everything that we have, we have received from God. So if I stand here today, and I'm, God has given me the gift of preaching and teaching, and I preach and teach, and you are edified, who gets the glory? God does. Why? Because the gift was given by God. So if you are one who's been given the gift of administration, you're serving in an organization behind the scenes, or who gets the gift? Who gets the glory? Not you for doing the administration, but God does. When you've been given the gift of service and and you're serving behind the scenes. And listen, if you're at a church, you probably move more chairs than anybody else around, right? Everybody moves chairs. um, Isn't that right, Grant? Right? Well, when you do that, you're, you're serving. What are you doing? Well, you're not getting the glory for the service that you provided. God's getting the glory. Every gift that we have been given has been used to do what? To bless the people of God and to give Christ glory. We see that here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, just jump with me in verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each, to each believer is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another one For just as the the body is one as many members, all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves or free, and we're all made to drink of the same spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Here's one of the things we have to think through as a church. Right now, we have been given a task. The task is to make disciples of all nations. So so God's taking all these people, all different gifts, bringing us together to to care and shepherd one another, to use our gifts to serve one another so that we would be a a unified body. Uh, But we all have different gifts. This is the idea of, even what I was saying this morning, is this idea of, of, of jealousy. We don't want to be jealous of somebody else's gifts. Why? Because those gifts are ultimately given by God, according to his will. We want to rejoice in the gifts that God has given you. We don't want to think, well, God has given me no gifts, because that is a lie, straight from the pit of of hell, because God has gifted you by the Holy Spirit for the common good. We all have the same spirit. So whoever um, serves in the gifts that God's given them, God gets the glory. We are not a church seeking glory for ourselves. If we are a church seeking glory for ourselves, shame on us. We do not live for our glory. We live for the glory of the one who lived and died and rose again. We live for the glory of Jesus Christ. And the more that we do that as a body, the more we're going to reflect the character of of Christ. If this I won't I won't read it here. You can read it uh, maybe this this evening or or tomorrow. If you keep on tracing this whole entire argument down, uh, what Paul um, is is writing through, he's trying to say that we have many parts of the body. We have ears, we have eyes, uh, we have heads, and we have feet, and we all need each other. This is one of my arguments that I always make when people say, well, I don't need to join the church. Well, I say, you're saying that the eye says to the ear, we don't need you? This is what happens when we are individual members and not part of a local congregation. What we're saying is that I don't need the church. Well, I think she so think that's unbiblical. I think that in humility, we would say, yes, we need each other. Because God has given everyone gifts for the common good. This is why every time people join the church, I'll, I'll, I'll tell them in our membership interview, is that when you are being called by the Holy Spirit to be part of this church, what God is telling me is that our church is deficient without you. We need your gifts so that we can become a better reflection of Christ. And I look at them and say, and you need our gifts so that you can become a better reflection of Christ. Of Christ, individually and corporately. Beloved, we need each other. This is the beauty of of a body of Christ who's laboring for one another. We are not jockeying for position. We are here to serve one another for the common good. So the Holy Spirit brings regeneration in this age of the Spirit. He he equips us to serve the body, but he also produces holiness in us. You know, we are not just a body of people. We are a holy people. So when the Holy Spirit regenerates us and and justifies us, what we see is that we are removed from the the, the penalty of sin in the past. We all have been saved. Past tense. We have been been justified. We have been declared not guilty. We are holy. We are blameless. We are forgiven. And yet we are are being removed from the, the power of sin in our life. In this fallen world, we are still battling and struggling with sin, but because we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we have the power to overcome sin. So we could say no to pornography and we could say no to greed. We could say no to bitterness and no no to jealousy or anger. We could say no because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. He has remade us. So when we see that ugliness pop out in our heart, we say, no, let me confess that and let me run to Christ. You know, I talked about this in our membership meeting this afternoon, but you know, one of the things that's important for the life of the church is that we all are honest with each other. When we confess our sin honestly, it, sin loses its power because it's brought to the light and the sanctifying power of God shines upon it and it doesn't have the same weight. So what Satan wants you to do, Satan wants you to hide your sin. He wants you to think that if you shared your sin, people will look down on you. If you shared your sin, that people would, would, would think about you differently. He wants you to do that. Do not listen to Satan. God says, confess your sins. And he who is faithful and just will forgive you of your sins and do what? Cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God wants to be, make us a holy people. The ecclesia, the set apart ones, the holy ones of, of God. He wants us to be primarily known as, as saints and not sinners. Let me just say this. I hear this a lot, and I don't know how to fully uh, explain and articulate it, but let me just say this. We don't want to say there is nothing good in us. Now, there is nothing good in us that brings salvation, right? Because no one is good but God alone. But when you say that there is nothing good in you, you are denying the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit of God. You are no longer what you once were, right? You have been given the Holy Spirit, and you are now different. You are not what you used to be. Yes, you're not all that you want to be, but you're not what you used to be, beloved, right? So let let us not demean the Holy Spirit by saying there is nothing good in us. God is doing a work in your life. God is sanctifying you and growing you. Rejoice in that, but don't rejoice in your effort to do that. Rejoice in the power of the Holy Spirit that has enabled you to walk with Christ, right? We are not an awful people, right? Right? I mean, we are an awful people in one sense, but we're not an awful people in another sense. Does that make sense? Right? I think we have to whole... <laughs> Does that make sense? I said the same thing. And, but, but the Holy Spirit's working on us. Because if, if, if we had the... If I went and I just grabbed a bunch of random people, like every one of your neighbors, and I kind of put them all in a room and, and we were all together and, and we were, that group had to live together for the next year as a, as, as a, as a body of, 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 a, of a believers or a body of just a, just a corporate body, they would not interact like we do. They would not be kind to one another like we do. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us. So we, we want to say, yes, there is nothing ultimately good in us because we're sinners. And yet when we have the Holy Spirit, we have him who is infinitely good in us who has given us the power to overcome our sins. We see this in what Paul says in Romans 8, right? That the same Spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in us. If the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in us, he will give life to our mortal bodies. That life is eternal, but that life is also now, right? That we can live for his glory. So the Holy Spirit has removed us from the penalty of sin, the power of sin. And then one day, beloved, what a great day that will be when he removes us from the presence of sin. When we will enter into glory. And all sin will be gone. Death will be no more, no more pain, no more tears. We will be God's people and he will be our our God. Beloved, I, I am laboring for that day. I tell people often that my job as a pastor is to help people live for the Lord and to die for the Lord. But we all know that it's not just my job, beloved, that is your job too. That is the job of every single member of the church. Helping people find glory. So we think about the proclaimed kingdom and what God has done. What we do now is we get little glimpses of, of heaven. Don't you love when you look at your, your sheet and you realize that you're, you're missing some of your notes? Oh, two pages. And you find them right there. You see how God, God is kind to us. Um, so let me just kind of walk through these briefly. As we think about the kingdom of God, we think about in the age of the church, who are God's people? Uh, who are God's people? Well, the age of the church, the, the the people are the the true Israel, as I like to say, uh, the Jews and Gentiles who believe in Christ. Uh, Paul writes this in Romans chapter two. He says that we are are not a circumcision. Circumcision is not outwardly and physical, but is inwardly in a matter of the heart. Anyone who who comes to Christ is a child of Abraham, right? They have they are a child of the promise, and we see that right now. Right now, we see people who are. Who are both Jew and Gentile, who have come together in one in Christ, right? So now there is no longer Jew or Jew or Greek. There's no longer slave or free. There's no longer male and female. But in the church, we are all one in, in Christ. We see in uh, First Peter. Go there, First Peter chapter chapter two. We see this great picture of the church. Peter writes after talking about those who are going to to disobey the Lord in verse nine of chapter two, it says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession that you may proclaim the actions of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Beloved, we are, we are those things. We are a new people. And Ephesians chapter 2, we see the wall that was, was, uh, that was once built up between Jew and Gentile has now been destroyed. The wall of hostility has been taken down. So God's people are those who confess Christ. If you're here tonight and you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, let me encourage you, confess your sins and trust in him. Uh, I, I don't know if, if many of you even hear the story here that, hey, I've been going to church for a long time. I never, maybe not believe, but maybe right now, you, what you need is to truly give your life to the Lord to truly stop playing or stop acting as if you have it all together and come clean with what you're doing in private and say, no, I want to follow the Lord with my whole heart. I don't want to follow just my, my parents' faith. I want this to be my faith. I want to follow Jesus with my whole heart. Come to Christ. Come to Christ and live. Turn from your sins and believe in the death, burial, resurrection of Christ and be saved. So we see God's people as the true Israel. Uh, we see God's God's place. God's place is us, is the building of God, the the people of God. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, Paul is kind of rebuking the church in terms of their division, their divisive spirit. Uh, I love how Sharon prayed that what they're working for in Spain is is unity, not uniformity. Beloved, we're not going to all agree this side of heaven on everything, but we want to be unified. We want to be one So in chapter 3, verse 5 of 1 Corinthians, we see Paul writing, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believe is the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. We are God's field, God's building. We really are the building of God. We, What Peter says, that we are individual stones, that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, and we are living stones being built up into him, to a holy priesthood. We go on here in 1 Corinthians, says, according to the grace God has given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than what that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, it will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but as only through the fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple, that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Now remember what he's talking to here. He's talking to the church. In 1 Corinthians 6, he says that you are uh, bought with a price. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. So our bodies, our individual bodies as, as Christians are temples of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we should, should treat our body in a holy manner. We should not put things into our body that are, that are going to destroy us. We should not take our eyes and allow them to look at things that are, that are ungodly. Why? We should not take our bodies and, and connect them to that which is unholy. Why? Because we are made of the Holy Spirit individually. But we are also corporately God's temple. This is why it's so important that each one of us individually is holy so that we as a people will be holy because we are the dwelling place of God. God dwells in us by his spirit individually and God dwells in us corporately as his body in his spirit. We are God's place. So we see God's people, we see God's place, and we see God's rule and blessing. So how is God ruling and reigning in us now? Well, we see that he's doing that through his word. Uh, the Word of God is, is what we submit to. He, he has spoken to us. So we, we see in, in many ways, God has, uh, Hebrews chapter 1, in many ways, God has spoken to us in long ago, spoken through the prophets, but now He has spoken to us through His Son. And the, the Son is the Word. He has given us this book for us to follow. Uh, so we, we come here each and every week, and what do we do? We sit under the Word of God. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that how, we, how we phrase it? We sit under the word of God. Why? Because God is speaking. If I came up here every single week and I told you nothing but jokes and stories, I'm not serving you as God's, as God's servant. I'm trying to serve myself. I'm trying to make you like me. I'm trying to, to help you think well of me. But my job is not for you to think well of me. My job is to teach you what God's word says. This is how God rules his church now. He rules it through his word. And the word of God goes forth week in and week out. And what happens? You are being formed more and more into the image of, of Christ. We pray that happens again and again. And as the word of God goes forth, what does God do? By the power of his spirit, he, he transforms his people. He, he transforms us individually to love and to, to cherish him. And he transforms us corporally to love and to nourish one another. And when we come together as a church, what do we do? We exercise the keys of the kingdom of God. We bind people to us and we loose people from us. We have been given the command of the the keys to to bring people in and to put people out. And yet in this fallen world, we we will live as exiles because right here, right now, we are a mere outpost of that heavenly kingdom. Uh, We are our own uh, gathering here under the the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. And and yet we we know that we are not finally and fully uh, formed until we reach glory. What we're doing right now is we're giving glimpses. We're giving glimpses of glory so that people come into our midst, they get a glimpse of what life will be like in heaven. I hope you know that. I hope you know that when you come each and every week, it is no small matter. You know, I know right now. I am, um, I'm grateful uh, that you are here on a Sunday night. Uh, it's been a long day for many of us. It's been a long day day for me. And we think about coming together. Is do I should I really come back to church? It's a long drive and this and that. But you're here, right? And we think, well, what's I've heard this before. I know this. But listen, when you come here, something is happening. Uh, we're getting glimpses of heaven. And you have no idea what people have gone through today. You have no idea what people have been through this past week and the pain that they're dealing with. You have no idea the battle and struggle of sin that's happening in people's lives this week and right now. And what we're doing when we sit under the word of God and we, we laugh after service and we, we pray for each other and we serve each other, what we're doing is we're giving a, a glimpse. We're giving a glimpse of what life will be like on that day. When our, when our Christ shall return and gather up all his people and we will be in his place forevermore. We're giving glimpses of those who are, who are lost. We're giving glimpses of those who, who need encouragement. We're giving glimpses of us to say, keep going, it is worth it. Because our King, the Lord Jesus, the chief shepherd of the sheep, the risen Lord who's continuing to do and to act in our own lives, one day he shall descend Amen. and he shall give the unfading crown of glory to his people. Amen. I think of the Apostle Paul and I'll end here in Second Timothy. The Apostle Paul has always been one of my uh, favorite, pick, favorite um, people in the Bible uh, is because Paul just loved to preach the word of God. Um, and he loved to give his life to people, right, as he preached the word of God. Uh, so he wanted not only to share his his gospel publicly, he did it house to house, he shared his, his very life. And all of us are one day going to have our bodies fail, going to have our strength fade. And I want us to be able to say this as Paul does in 2 Timothy 4. He says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Beloved, I pray as a congregation that would be us. I pray that we would fight the good fight, that we would finish the race, and we would keep the faith, that this would be past tense for us when we are facing our last weeks, our last moments, our last breath, you know, one of the testimonies I even got today, I prayed it in the our, in our, in pastoral prayer. You know, Connor and Cam Hennessy have been dealing with uh, Cam's grandmother being, being sick. Um, and for, for months, they've been sharing the gospel with her. They've been praying for her soul. And just the testimony that Connor gave recently to, to Grant that, that she's no longer afraid to die, but she's ready to meet her Lord because of the faithfulness of Connor and Cam praying for her and sharing the gospel with her, that she is ready to to experience verse 8. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Beloved, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, one day, you will receive the crown of righteousness that is laid up for you. But that's not where our life ends. The Lord has not yet returned because he does not want anyone to perish but all to come to eternal life. So what does he say? He says, church, help people love Christ. Help people love the Lord Jesus. So they and I could say that we will receive the crown of life that the Lord has laid up for his his people. So I pray, Lord, I pray, um, beloved, as we labor day in and day out, that we would proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would proclaim Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, that we would live a holy life as God's people under his word as we await the King of glory to descend and give the crown of righteousness to those who love him. Let's pray. Father, uh, we love you and we rejoice in what you have done for us in Christ. God, I pray, oh, I pray, oh God, that you and your kindness would help us love you, help us love one another in a way that would draw those who are lost, who are far from you, into your grace. Bless your church, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.